Hello, 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 and welcome back to Blush You, the podcast where you tell us your juiciest stories and we get to dish on them. My name is Callie and I am your co-host. And of course, I'm here with my girl, Elise. Hi, friends. Oh, How? that was such a sweet hi again. Was it? I'm changing it the up. days of like, hello. <laughs> She'll be back. She'll yeah, be back. She will be back. Um, today we are going to be talking about a horrible plague that has ruined society. And I don't mean COVID. I mean, men, men, men. So we will be talking about the inferior sex later on, but let's start with our sparkles and I'm cheating because I'm piggybacking off of Elise's. Yes. Um, I, how do I even start? Okay. So Callie, AKA my bestie, AKA my life coach, AKA my therapist and sister <laughs> and all of the above. Um, I have been, I, I think like my initial response to things is catastrophizing them. Can no. you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no way. 100%. I do that. It goes from zero to a hundred very quickly. And then okay. I'm spiraling. It's true, but you also have reason to do that. Like things have been bad. So yeah. I don't want to sit here and agree with you and be like, yeah, you're fucking crazy. It's <laughs> more like, it's more like things are bad and there's no inner voice. Like they're not that bad. You know, when you kind of gaslight yourself to make you feel better. Yes. You don't do that. Yes. No, <laughs> I don't. I do that a lot. I just dig that. I get the shovel. I dig that fucking hole real deep. And I'm like, give me a bag of chips and some tissues. I will be here until further notice. Yes. 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 Um, uh, okay. So in our conversation, so Carl and I are in couples therapy and yesterday, um, we were talking about, we did, she had, she gave us like this Gottman, um, worksheet and it basically went through different topics and you should explain what Gottman is. Okay. I mean, so most people so don't know what that is. Gottman is a organization. He's that, a dude. Yeah. Well, it's, it's him and his wife and mm -hmm. they are like the gurus of relationship. Isn't it John therapy. and Julie or was yes. Julie his first wife? Julie's a second. I don't know. I don't know all the deets of, I went to like, um, immersion weekend thing for him. And I'm pretty sure. So like he got divorced himself. I think it's John and Julie Gottman. Yeah. Ooh, that could be wrong. Whatever. Keep going. I think they are the same letter though. That ring. I definitely think that. Okay. I think that's right. Um, so anyways, they, and if you've ever done like couples therapy, it's likely that they pull from Gottman. Um, I did like my premarital counseling through like a Gottman organization. So they created like the modality of relationship and couples therapy. So she gave us this Gottman worksheet and it was like different categories of your life. And you, you filled it out separately and you had to say, is this like an area where you're successful in as a couple, or is it an area where you need growth? And so most of them, Carl and I had the same, but there was like a couple where they were like different and that kind of sparked a conversation. And then it kind of spiraled out of control because it was like, I had fine. It all clicked that like, 
IVF and this process of infertility and all of the loss and all of just like all of it has impacted literally every single area of our lives. It's impacted our marriage, our finances, our happiness, our ability to travel, our social networks, like literally everything. It's like impacted our family, it's everything, all of it. And so um, I like had a complete meltdown in therapy and then I completely shut down and was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm over it. And well, therapy. I don't think your therapist helped. I love talking shit about bad therapists. Yeah, Sorry. You know, no, she's so she's a intern, which oh fine. you know what? Gottman therapy is the one um theory that I drink the Kool-Aid on. And I think mm-hmm. Gottman therapy is just on another level incredible. I mean, yeah, I really think it is the standard. And if you go to a couple's therapist and they haven't been trained in Gottman therapy, totally. like red flag, right? Yes. Like, yeah. oh, get out of there because I just don't think you're gonna get what you need. Um, says the person that like kind of did couples therapy at once and I like was level one certified. <laughs> but you know, um, anyway, I like so she was trained in it, but like she's I didn't know she was an intern. Now I feel bad. Cause like, she well, just doesn't know any better. Yeah. We're like balling on a budget and our insurance is shit when it comes to, um, covering therapists. So I picked her and, um, I think that Carl and I are just both like level tens. Like I'm a level 10 emotional person and Carl's just like a level 10, like human being. And Fire. so I, yeah. So I think both of us, are just like a lot for someone to be able to like hold that space and then like pull off of each other and make connections and, you know, things like that. So, um, yes, we kind of, I had a meltdown, then I shut down and then we left and it was like, the worst is when you leave therapy, like in a worse mood than when you came and you feel worse than when you showed up. So that was the situation. And then we basically came home and I had a second therapy session with Callie. Well, I texted you and I hadn't talked to you all day, which is very rare. And so I said, but I knew you had clients all day and then I knew you had therapy. So I was like, how was your day? And Elise answers, can I have a different question? And I was like, Ooh, no, you may not come on. And you're like, everything's horrible. I was like, Oh, Oh, it's going to be one of those nights. And then obviously you explained why, like, oh. I mean, it is very, uh, depressing and overwhelming and somewhat cathartic, but also not when you find out just how much infertility affects your life, your relationships, your mood, your energy, your productivity. I mean, it really does seep in everywhere. Yeah. Um, an obvious one to me is like friendships. I feel like it creates trauma bonds and then it creates fractures in others. Um, but is it, but that's like, that's not an obvious one. The obvious one is money. Yeah. Yeah. You are paying for something that should be free. Yeah. And what's wild is like, you know, we have like the, the big traumatic events in our journey, obviously that I've been super open about, but also just like the smaller things that just like should happen normally and with ease and like, not even those have been easy. So I'm just like, this is fucking stupid. Like this is literally dumb. Like it's, it's not one step of this 
literally at all has been like, oh my gosh, amazing. Except for the fact that like we got healthy embryos. Like that was like, we were both like, oh my God, shit, we got two healthy embryos. Like that's wild, you know? But beyond that, it's been like shitty and then like breakthrough and then like more shitty. So I get it. I mean, there's a lot of room for the shittiness and a very small margin for quote success. So I, Mm -hmm. I totally understand that. And by the way, if you're listening and you're like, so I'm not infertile, nor I'm going through this. Is this for me? Yes. We are going to connect the dots to other areas of your life. I promise. We're going to get to the meat and potatoes right now. So Callie, I don't even know how you do this. Honestly, Callie has these like skills that is truly just like magic. And you're just like, where the fuck did that come from? But like you, like, it just is like, whoa, like, wow. Changing my life. Truly. I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, Carl. And he's like, what are you and Callie talking about now? And I'm like, listen to this. And he's like, wow. Yeah, that's, I never thought of it like that. So anyways, the meat and potato is that Callie connected the dots. And she told me that I don't have to be consumed by IVF and this process in order for it to be successful. And when she said that literally like all of these stars kind of aligned because in my mind, I think unconsciously or maybe consciously, who knows, I have thought like, if I'm not doing all the research, thinking about it all the time, you know, preparing for it, manifesting it, praying about it, talking about it, having it consume me, then it won't be successful. And really like some of these women who actually, you know, go through these process and they have you know, full-time jobs and maybe they have other kids and maybe they're a caretaker for someone and they have, you know, like they don't have really like the time nor the energy nor the space in their lives to let this consume them, you know? And so they kind of just have to like, yeah, it's in the background. I'm trying to do this. And if it happens, cool. And so like, I, I haven't even thought of that approach. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes with anything. I mean, all of us have some sort of goals that we set for ourselves, whether it's uh, moving up in our career or some people it's health and weight loss or some people it's, I I mean, obviously, you know, having a baby. I mean, there's, there's tons of different goals, exercise, running a marathon. And to me, it's always a red flag when I see someone dedicating their entire lives and purpose to one goal, because that's not how you reach goals. I'm a huge fan of the 80, 20 rule, but even with that, I mean, that's still a lot to give 80% of your entire effort to one goal, but it's also that a lot of times there's diminishing results. Like remember the bell curve that we learned about, Mm -hmm. right. And at some point, like things, you get diminishing results after a certain point. And so, you know, for fertility, it's like, okay, if you don't go to a reproductive and endocrinologist, when you've been having issues, like, okay, you're probably not going to get results. Like if you're not following the doctor's instructions, okay, well then you're probably not going to get results. Um, after that though, like after those two things, I'm just not convinced that extra shit really makes that much of a difference. Mm-hmm. And so the dip, but the big difference is, is you're miserable. Yeah. Which probably right. doesn't help 
success rates, you know, it's like, probably not miserable. People get pregnant all the time though. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's at that point, I just don't know if any of this shit matters. Like, yeah, Yeah. I guess there's something to be said for if you're miserable and stressed, cortisol levels don't help with anything. But I also think again, babies are born in war zones. So Mm -hmm. like there's, I can give you an exception to every single thing that we say, which to me says, does any of it really matter then? It's like, no, if you can't get pregnant naturally and you don't do IVF, then it's probably not going to happen. There you go. Mm -hmm. I can come up with a few exceptions here and there, but not really. Right. So, I mean, I, I just, the further down this journey I've gotten, the more I'm like, it is just science. Mm -hmm. It's just science. You can take all the supplements in the world. You can not drink alcohol for a million months. You can only talk about it or think about it. You can say all the affirmations in the world. And it's like, it's luck and science. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, doesn't that make you feel a little better though? That it's like the pressure's off and you can just like, I don't know, live your life and understand that you're doing all that you can already. So the rest, you can just fill in the space with things you want to do. Totally. But I, once I'm like fixated and like, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know another goal that I want as much or even as close to this, you know, it doesn't have to be another goal. Yeah. But like, what do I focus on? (laughs) Like gay men and drinking or like, (laughs) like pickleball. Like for me, I'm just naming all, like I would have like wine nights or do with people and like, you know, obviously hobbies, like yeah, this is my goal, but I, I'm just also not one of those people that gets easily consumed to the point where it takes up my entire life. Don't get me wrong. Like I still research and I still like know my shit and I still talk about it a fair amount because it's hard not to, Mm -hmm. but like, it's almost like you're not allowing yourself to have fun. It's almost like you're punishing yourself because if you're not living this pious, pure life, then you're not going to get what you want. Yes. I resonate with that. Yeah. I, f- I feel seen. Yeah. <gasps> I keep wondering if you're a two wing one and not a two wing three. That would make a lot of sense to me. I feel like just, yeah. yeah. I this idea that you have to be perfect in order to get anywhere. Yes. Right. Like, I and it's like a control like thing too, you know, like, cause if you, even if it does, if someone told me like, oh, you take a shit in your driveway and that's going to increase your odds. You best believe I'd be pooping in my driveway every morning. You know, even if like logically I'm like, that wouldn't literally do anything, but like, yeah, see, I think you should start looking at a lot of this stuff with a skeptical lens. Like I've been reading a shit about like, like there was one thing where it's like eat pineapple core to help with this. And it's like, I was like, ew, no, No. another thing was like, disgusting eat, Mc- eat mcdonald's french fries and i was like yeah <laughs> you know what I, mean? I can get behind that like, like cherry pick what works for you it's like if you feel like you have to do everything yeah it's just too much it i don't really know. is yeah you drowned in it yeah and again that's with anything like even emily was working on her dissertation and it's like she wasn't working on it 60 hours a week because it's just like not sustainable like yeah you know you just cannot give it your all 
through these goals, which again is ironic coming from a life coach, but like, that's not how life is. Yeah. Well, you put all your eggs in a basket and then when the basket falls 12 times, you're like, what's that's it too. That's yeah. It too. Like I, you know, I'm at the point where I'm like, dude, is this even like, I mean, I know it will be worth it, but I'm at the place where I'm like, should I just like dedicate like a year to saying like, fuck all of this and like go to Europe and just like live my life and be fun. And I mean, but that's my point is the answer is yes, but you can still do both. You need that mentality while you're still doing the things that you are required for you to do in order to meet your goals. Do you understand? Like, does that make sense? Yes. I've been doing like one or the other. One or the other. I can either live my life or I can do IVF. Yes. It needs to be both. Okay. Interesting. Okay. I'm gonna have to like there are women who do IVF in like freaking like Mexico or like Prague is a big one because it's less expensive abroad. And so they like plan a vacation yeah. while they do IVF. Maybe I should do that. Next. Yeah. It's like, and I mean, you know, I don't know if I'm someone who would necessarily want to do that. I kind of, when I'm like, you know, IVF can really be really stressful with like the injections and stuff, but at the same time, there's something to be said for it. Yeah. And like, I think that is the perfect example of making lemons out of lemonade of being like, wow, this sucks. And because it's so fucking expensive here, we have to go somewhere else. So you know what? I'm going to pick somewhere cool and like make it a thing. And like, I was reading like one woman was in Prague and then after whatever she was doing, I don't know if it was a retrieval or transfer. They like went to Germany for a week. Cause they were over there and they like wanted to see Germany. And I was like, damn, yes, exactly. That's it. That is it right there. Yeah. That's yeah. how you do it. Okay. Good. That was my sparkle too. That was, that was good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for this. Welcome. Okay. Let's get into today's letter. I'm excited yeah. about these. I just realized I haven't even read the first one. Okay. It'll be fine. I like, know the, I like skimmed it. Well, we'll wing it. Yeah. Elise was selecting them for today. And I was like, okay, I trust you. Dear blush. I'm having some relationship issues with my boyfriend and figured I would write in and get both of your thoughts on my situation. I've been with him for six years. We live together and have been through a lot over the years. Three years ago, we almost broke out because he cheated on me. And I found out through a mutual friend and he denied it for a while before he finally came clean. We took some time apart and of course he was wrecked with guilt. So he was doing everything and anything he could to make it better. I agreed to work on things and the next two years were amazing. We were connected, aligned on everything, managed conflict really well, talking about marriage and babies and all of the things. Then something shifted in our relationship and things have just felt off for the past year. Every time I ask, he says nothing and moves on quickly. Well, a few weeks ago, he went out with some buddies and drank too much. When he came home and asked him about his, and I asked him about his night, he kind of word vomited all this stuff that was really hurtful. And it was the first time I was hearing any of it. He told me that he isn't very attracted to me at the moment, that our sex life sucks, that he thinks sometimes that he could do better, that he's not sure he ever wants to get married to anyone and that he would be interested in having an open relationship amongst other things like hating his job, wishing he had more freedom, like his buddies, family drama, etc. Oh, there's grandpa. One second. <laughs> I'm 
My grandpa. I knew that was going to happen. I saw him wake up while I was reading this and I was like, God dang it. Okay. <laughs> I, I love this cat. Okay. Um, let's see here. I honestly was so shook that I didn't even respond. I just got up, went into the room and cried myself to sleep. He passed out on the couch and was so hungover the next day. Good. He didn't mention anything about everything that he said. I honestly doubt he remembers any of it. And I didn't say anything either because I didn't have the words. Now it feels like too much time has passed to bring it up. Ooh. I guess I'm just at a loss of what to do here. I've spent the last six years of my life dedicated to this man who basically just ripped me to shreds. Leaves me thinking, why is he even with me? Did he genuinely mean those things? How do I approach the conversation with him if he doesn't remember anything he said and with all the time he has? My guess is that he will deny it if I bring it up. Help. From, oh God, my boyfriend secretly hates me. Jesus. Yeah. I don't mean to, I don't mean to laugh, but like this is... I mean, it's Not like good. egregious. So in vino veritas, which I don't know if that really works for me. Does it work for you? I, what did you say? <laughs> in vino veritas, in wine is truth. Oh, okay. It I've means not- that when you're drunk, the truth comes out. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. It's like a common phrase that stupid people say. So I, I, I have never, it. I have never really been one to like, get like really drunk and that's the thing me either it's not really for me and then when it happens which it's definitely happened it's not like all of a sudden all my deep feelings come out so it's like I've already processed those sober um (laughs) excuse me okay so yeah uh (laughs) I (laughs) I guess like it it floors me. Um, my boyfriend secretly hates me that you haven't said anything. Like you don't need the right words in order to bring this up. And it kind of gives me pause as to why you haven't said anything. Do you not like clearly, I'm not even going to ask the question. Clearly you don't feel safe Mm. or protected in Mm. this relationship. I don't mean safe. Like he's going to physically harm you, but I mean, emotionally safe. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so For me, and this is just my opinion, talking this out would, if it brings you closure, awesome. But what's done is done. People don't just say those things. I don't care if he was drunk or sober. I mean, that was a lot. Isn't very attracted to me. He thinks sometimes he could do better right there. That would be like a big trigger for me. And I'd be like, bye. Like, you think you can do better than me? Okay, go try. Mm-hmm. here's your chance well he just like, doesn't respect her no. or appreciate her and None. I think you know relationships are hard enough and marriage is even harder than just relationships I think and you know you have good seasons and then you have really fucking hard seasons and I think like if this is if this is how he's treating you with literally no regard no respect and no appreciation clearly then I don't see like, that's never going to change. Right. And if we're using alcohol as an excuse with anything, by the way, any situation, we're already in a really bad spot. Yeah. Like alcohol should not be the saving grace for why something's okay. Yeah. When you, when you're sitting here saying, oh, but he was drunk. Oh, but they were drunk. Oh, but you know, she was wasted. It's like, 
like with the, that's just another red flag that doesn't make it better. Now you're just piling it on. And the fact that like, this is not clearly not the first time that something like this has happened. Like even, I don't care if you actually cheat or you say that you could cheat, like they're both one and the same to me, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And the denying it is what really makes me mad. Yeah. And then yeah. notice she's like, well, he's just going to deny it again. It's like, I mean, we're, you're sitting here asking like, why is he with me? I'm asking, why are you with him? Mm. Hell yeah. So let's just say it. Leave his ass. Yeah. <laughs> there was snaps, a Z, a Z snap yeah. in there also, which I very much. I feel like we should just from here on out read letters where it's like, should I leave his ass or not? And yeah. then at the end, we're, it's like a game show. And then we're like, leave his ass. Yes. That I would like be that. fun. Um, How do I approach the conversation with him? He doesn't remember anything he said. <laughs> I don't know. Just leave. Like, is a conversation even worth it with this person? Yeah. He's just going to deny everything. I I think, I don't think that I am someone who can just leave. I have this like instinctual belief that I, it is my duty to teach people lessons when they oh. have done something wrong. Yeah, no. And that has caused me to stay in situations for way longer because I'm like, I can't. I can't walk away from this until they know what they've done and and acknowledge that it's wrong. And then they decide to change as a human being. You, I don't have the power to change anybody. You don't have the power to change anybody. My boyfriend secretly hates me, doesn't have the power to change anybody. So if, if you, I feel like in this situation, the only reason that you would go to have a conversation is if you feel like you could change him or you could change the dynamic, which I don't, I think that this is too far gone, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I, I tell my clients this all the time. I'm sure my clients are like, when's she going to say it? When's she going to say it? But like, we are not the behavior police. It is not our job to like teach other people lessons and correct behavior all day, every day. I'm actually like a huge believer that the only people who should be teaching lessons are like parents to children. And after that, we have to teach ourselves our own lessons. And sometimes that's going to come from messy situations. Sometimes it is going to come from us hurting people. Uh, but it's not other people's job to teach us how to act. We are all over 18. We were not raised by wolves. Like we know right from wrong, or at least we should. Mm-hmm. And so my boyfriend secretly hates me. I mean, I, I, you're right. I think the reason you would have a conversation would be maybe to learn more in hopes that, oh, he was blackout and he watched a really weird movie the night before and he was projecting. It's like, no, n- whatever excuse that happens is not going to satisfy you. You're going to live for the next however many years you stay with him wondering if he still feels that way. Mm-hmm. And like, You have to have standards for yourself, Mm -hmm. period. Like you can't even be with someone who has these thoughts. No, let alone someone who verbalizes them. Yeah, that's a good point. This grass is always greener on like mentality on the other side. What is it? Mm -hmm. The grass is always greener. Yeah, girl. Um, that's like really an unhealthy mindset to have especially yeah you're like, let me compliment you at least you're good at never having that mentality oh really Tell yeah me. I'm give not me more compliments I'm not I've noticed that with you you're like not very um you're like good about not comparing and you're good about 
except, I mean, except for infertility, which I don't think, I don't think anyone to be fair is like, I love my journey. Yeah. No, my journey <laughs> fucking sucks. Yeah. So take anybody else's journey other than mine. Yeah, exactly. It's like the, have it worse for sure. it's the only exception. Um, but yeah, Elise, you're really good about that. Uh, this guy is not, and it seems like this girl's pretty good about it too. Unfortunately, because she mm-hmm. has such tunnel vision that she's not even considering that there's anyone else out there she would rather be with. And furthermore, even if there isn't anyone else out there, which there is, I think being alone is being, yes. is better than being with this asshole. You know what this, I like when you are, I mean, this guy sounds like a class a narcissist. And when you are, when you are in a dynamic and you've clearly been in the dynamic for six years, that now becomes your new normal. And I think you lose sight of the fact that it could potentially be anything different. And, and I think when you're in a relationship that's inconsistent and you feel like, I mean, I would be surprised if she didn't feel less than or unworthy being in a relationship with this person, because he clearly makes it a point that that's how he feels, you know, that there's some power dynamic. So I'm sure that the dynamic between the two of them is very unhealthy. And I think, you know, when I finally got out of my last relationship, like it was so weird because I was expecting to be so devastated and torn up, but I actually was relieved. I was like, wow, like this burden of being so stressed out about like, is this going to work? Is this going to be good? Is this going to be a bad day? Like all of that was gone. And so I think if she just like disconnects a little bit and like, you know, cuts that cord and takes that risk, she'll probably be super surprised with just feeling like this huge burden off of her shoulders. Yeah. He'll try and come back, um, by the way. So just be prepared for that. I'm reading a book right now and it's really funny. The protagonist is divorced and she's talking about how her ex-husband came back to her two weeks later, begging her to take him back. And then it dawned on her that she had done all the grocery shopping and the laundry for their entire relationship. So she was like, he was dirty and hungry. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like such a funny moment. I mean, obviously it's not real. It's a book, but well, it's a fiction book, a novel. So I mean, but like, it's also true if you think about it. So I, I was laughing and I just wanted to put that out there that be prepared for his reaction to probably mirror what it was three years ago. And you're just going to have to have the boundaries and, um, the coping mechanisms in place to where you don't fall back into this because I want to comment on your one line here, I've spent the last six years of my life dedicated to this man who basically just ripped me to shreds. Okay. So you're devastated that someone you've been with for six years just tore you up. That's the obvious thing. Of course, that's going to feel bad. Um, you would expect some sort of loyalty, some sort of protection. I mean, Gabby on the bachelor said, when you say you love someone that you're assuming responsibility to care for them mm. and, um, to protect them and not to hurt them. Sorry. She's, it was on the bachelor. I'm obsessed with this woman. Like I want to be her best friend anyway, but 
that's not what I really want to comment on because that's obvious. What I want to comment on is return on investment ROI. It Mm. is a common term in business. And it basically means when you put money into something, you expect a return on that investment. You expect to put money in and then make money when you pull it out. Right. So people talk about this with the stock game. That's why a lot of people don't pull their money out of stocks whenever they should. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then they end up losing all their money. Right. And you hear about that all the time. Every time it crashes, um, that's not to like, say that people should like play the stock game better. It's like, it's literally stocks and a gamble. And that's kind of what you get. But a lot of women I've noticed are very, we get labeled as emotional and whatever, but it's actually really logical to want a return on an investment. So you just put in six years of your life with someone and you're expecting a return on your investment, right? You're expecting that six years to multiply, to be even longer and to have a steady foundation and maybe a proposal and a family and security and stability and everything that you think should come from being with someone for six years. And the logic, the logical part of your brain wants this so badly that it seems unfathomable to just throw away those six years. Cause then in your mind, you get nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, you get everything if you can be strong enough to walk away from those six years and allow it to not be seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years, because it just gets harder with every year that goes by because your brain gets even more invested in what's next. Yeah. I want my, I want my return. I want yeah. my high percentages payoff. It's not going to happen. Like I think Elise and I can confidently say it's not going to happen. So Never. leave his ass leave him, and stop waiting for that invest the return on the investment to come. Cause it's not. And so you just have to like cut your losses and say, okay, those six years, I learned a lot. I'm not going to repeat them. That in and of itself is amazing. Yep. Totally. I'm with you. Okay, good. Okay. So leave him, leave him. All right. Thank you. Leave his ass. You want to do the next one? Do we have time? Should we, we can even wait for next week. What do you think? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I do not know. I mean, I feel like we could probably do this one. I don't know what time we're at. Let's I'll run through it really fast. We can do it. We'll go real fast. Dear blush. This is a crazy story, but I swear to God, it's my life right now. I'm 38 years old and married to a 45 year old. I desperately want to have a baby. Oh, it's all I can think about. I know you are both going through fertility treatments and I really relate to Elise's energy. Okay, fine. (laughs) All I want is to be a mom. Oh, and I am so close. My husband and I started trying about two years ago before we got married and it's just not happening. We just got cleared to do IVF and now my husband is backing out. Our marriage definitely isn't perfect. He can be mercurial and withdrawn. We've been married for only a year and I'm wondering if I made a mistake. All I want is to be a mom. And if he won't give, if he won't give that to me, I don't think I want this marriage anymore. The problem is if I'm married, he has to sign off on all IVF decisions. If I were single, I could do this alone. My husband says he just needs time. Should we go to couples counseling and figure this out? I'm just worried that with every passing day, my fertility is declining help. Oh my God. Oh, fuck. My face is in my sweatshirt for this. Um, Elise is definitely turtling right now. Yes. This like instantly like gives me panic um, for lots of different reasons. But 
a couple things. I'm I'm curious, like, is he backing out of the IVF process or is he trying to like back out of the marriage? I'm not sure about that. It sounds I like took that, that as backing out of IVF mm-hmm. because she's saying, I don't want this marriage anymore later, which makes me think he does. And he's just backing out of IVF. Mm-hmm. That's how I took this. Yeah, but th- like from her perspective, is she only with him to have a baby? Like, yeah, I also am wondering that too. Like if she's saying like, if he won't give me that, if he won't give me a baby, then I don't want this marriage anymore. Then girl, you should not be having a baby with this man. Yeah, I think. So my thoughts on this are actually that she has the clarity that I wish the first letter writer had, which is these are my boundaries. If you cannot respect my boundaries, which the funny thing is a lot of times when we talk about boundaries, it means like behavior we don't want, but sometimes it's behavior we do want. Mm-hmm. things that we do want non-negotiables. I remember, did you take, was Maggie? I think that's her name still there when you were at SMU with like red so. hair. She's my advisor. Oh, yes. She did the diversity class. I loved her. Oh, I really hated her. And so anyway, <laughs> but she, I will never forget this. And this is a gem. So Maggie, you actually were the uh, VIP with this lesson, but it was like, whenever you get into a relationship or if you're going to do couples counseling, have everyone create three columns and one column is non-negotiables. One column is negotiables. And one is, I don't care that I don't care when it's kind of silly. Cause it's like, there are a million things we don't care about, but it's still a fun game. And so you write out your non-negotiables and these are things that you would be willing to walk away from a relationship for. Mm, And then the negotiables are something where it's like, I care, but I'm willing to negotiate. So like a great example for me was where I live. And of course that ended up being the case. Andrew wanted to move to LA. I was, I was willing to negotiate. I said, yeah, okay. I could do LA. If he had said, let's move to friggin' Boston. I probably would have been like, no, no, can't deal with the cold weathers. It's not for me. So that's a good example. This woman is saying a non-negotiable for me is having children. Yeah. And my husband is wavering. That's how I read this. So what do I do? Do I wait for him to change his mind or do I cut the cord now? I don't know because she's obviously aware. She feels like time is running out, you know, because she's 35 and she's she's 38. Yeah, girl. Oh, man. For those of you who don't know, your fertility starts to decline at age 27. You're not in deep shit uh, for most people until you probably are approaching. Like you're like, I think my friend who is a fertility specialist now said when you're 30, I think she actually said 38. When you're 38, it's go time. Mm -hmm. So like you either need, and that's the thing. This woman could potentially freeze her eggs in the hopes that her husband changes her mind. But I'm honestly, here's my thing. They started trying before, which means husband was on board. Yeah. And then they got married and then all of a sudden he's backing out. I would say, and he can be mercurial and withdrawn, which means like he's kind of all over the place. And then when he's not all over the place, he's like stonewalling. I would say you have time to figure out if you want to be married to him or not later. I don't know if you have time 
fertility wise. And this is coming from someone who's like, oh, not been on the edge about having kids, but hasn't made, like, I, I'm not like, ah, I gotta be a mom. I gotta be a mom right now. Yeah. You know, like I've been honest about my approach to this is very much like, I know I'll regret it. And time is not on my side. And I don't want to make this even more difficult on myself by like, not, not rushing. I didn't rush through this by any means, but it's like, I also didn't want to be stupid. I knew with every passing year, it'd be harder and harder. So this is coming from someone who is not nearly as intense about all of this. And like you said, she relates to Elise's energy. (laughs) Fine. So wish is why I'm saying this, because I think maybe it'll be more powerful coming from me. Maybe I would say, cut the cord, get legally separated, do what you need to get your legal ducks in a row so that you can go to the clinic and do whatever you need to by yourself. That's just me. And then if y'all can bounce back from that, great. You can figure that out later because you've got years and years and years to figure out your relationship with this man. And you don't have that. Yeah. And maybe even just like taking action in the way that Callie just said might really change the dynamic between you and your husband, right? If you're able to say like, look, you know, I'm not going to pressure you to do this, but this is very important to me and I'm doing this. And so you're on the bandwagon or you're off, but I'm going to continue. Like, I'm going to go for this. Like, I mean, I think that she has to take legal action in order to move. Yeah. I mean, I think that every like possibility, every possible option in this is going to be hard for her. You know, Mm -hmm. like you can either wait and figure out your marriage. You can wait, you can wait and get divorced, you know, like the only real option to do something about it now is exactly what Callie said. Right. Yeah. It feels crazy that this is coming out of my mouth because like him saying he needs time, I think it's because we are so privy to the IVF journey that it's like getting cleared to start IVF is a journey in itself. Mm-hmm. And like timing is everything. Yeah. And it's not, it's usually not just one of those things where it's like, Oh, well we can start next month. Like sometimes wow. it is, but sometimes clinics batch, which means there's an actual schedule. Like this is crazy. There are certain clinics where it's like, retrievals are from March through July. And then transfers are from August through November. And then they're like closed for Mm -hmm. three months. And then it like starts back up again, like for real. And so that's why I'm not taking this lightly. That's not, you know, cause I, I'm sure a lot of people are like, we'll just give the husband a little time. It's like, well, the husband's had two years. Yep. So that's what gives me major pause. Like also like what's changed, right? Like why, why are you backing out now? Like some people are weird about, um, artificial reproductive technology. I mean, yeah, but if you really want to be a parent, like you do whatever you need to do. Oh yeah. It's not an excuse. I'm just saying mate, like, and if that is what has changed his mind, then like, okay, like next. And I'm only saying that because she is very adamant all I want to be is a mom. Notice it's not all I want to be is married to him. Yep. All I want to be is his wife. Like you've put your priorities out yeah. there. Yep. So yep. just do it as even if some people are going to look at you like you're crazy, that's the good part. You don't have to get anyone's permission to get yeah. forced or separated. And like, 
you can get divorced just because you wanna, right? That's also nice. We don't have to have like, I mean, I guess you do have to like check a box, but everyone checks, um, what is it? Irreconcilable, something differences. Reconcilable. Irreconcilable. (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) What is that word? Oh God, I am whatever. not, I am not a word person. It's ir- irreconcilable differences. Like irreconcilable does not seem like a real word. That does not sound right. It doesn't sound right at all. Uh, Reconcile- okay. Reconcilable? No, it's irreconcilable because reconcile means you can get back together. Yes. Like it is over. You can overcome it. Right irreconcilable differences means we're getting divorced because we literally cannot get over our shit. Like there is no hope. Callie, say that, say that four times fast. (laughs) No, do it, do it, do it. Irreconcilable differences, irreconcilable differences, irreconcilable differences, irreconcilable differences. That was actually impressive. I'm going to laugh when we look this up and it's not the word. It's fine. They get it. They get it. They get it. So I guess what I'm trying to tell you is that I think deep down, you've already made your decision and you're asking for permission because it seems rash, but I think the reason yep. it feels rash to you is because it's a, it's a non-starter for you to not be a mom. Meaning like the decision's been made, the ink is dry. You really didn't have to think about it that much, but then you're like, oh my God, I'm throwing an entire man away for a baby. And it's like, yeah, you are. Yep. That's, that's what you're going to do. Yeah. And that's that's fine. fine. Totally fine. Because having children or not having children, I would say is the single most important decision someone makes because at some point it's not an option anymore for most people. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, of course you could, you know, you can definitely choose fostering or the adoption route later in life, which is a hundred percent a great way to become a parent. Um, but you know, if you're hopeful that you'll be able to have a biological child or that you'll want to carry, then yeah, it's time sensitive. And so we have to make those choices and be comfortable with them because at some point there's no turning back for actually in both decisions, Mm -hmm. there is a point of no return. Mm -hmm. So you've already made your choice. Yeah. Do not backtrack on it. Yeah. You will regret it forever. We give you permission to do your thing. Yeah, and permission and not granted. and not feel bad about it. So just go with your irreconcilable differences and leave his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Okay, uh, that was fun. That was that a was, fun one. That was <laughs> not for the poor women. <laughs> I know y'all are struggling. Um, so thank you for sharing your stories with us. We appreciate it. If you have a story and want advice, please write into bless you at joinblush.com. We read every single entry. Um, if you would like to talk about your issues privately and don't want them on a podcast, even though everything is anonymous, I understand that. And you can use promo code bless you all caps to work with your very own life coach and get 25% off your first month. So yeah, guys. Oh, and we have a new group launching. Elise is already running her group, which is going so well. It's so cute. It's so fun. I love it so much. Okay. So Amber is launching a career focused group. Um, So if you're interested about that, you should be receiving some emails from us. So check your inbox. If you're not on our newsletter, then you should be. Uh, But yeah, registration 
open today, actually. So I'm really excited about that as well. So if you're looking to make a change in your career, this is the group for you. It's going to be amazing. Amber's such a rock star. Yeah, she truly is. I, she's my hero. I love her. She really is. Okay. Awesome. That's all from us. So we will see y'all next time. Yay. Bye.